Welcome to a podcast of a sermon delivered at the Unitarian Society of Ridgewood in New Jersey. Our congregation is a place where you will find inspiration in the richness of diverse beliefs and the power of community. Detailed information about the Unitarian Society of Ridgewood is available on our website, uuridgewood.org. Ron, could you recite the words? Thank you. (laughs) Okay. We light this chalice for the light of truth, the warmth of love, and the energy of action as we gather together in the circle of community. As we enter this new month and the warmth of the holidays, may we welcome this place of peace to find a moment of quiet contemplation. May we welcome this place of celebration for our hearts to soar with gratitude for the gift of life. May we welcome this place of sacred love to gently hold all that is broken May we come into this place of community to draw the circle of love and justice ever wider. And may we welcome this sacred place to worship, celebrate, grieve, and love together. So let me introduce myself. I'm Jean Namitz. I'm the Director of Religious Education. Very happy to be with you here this morning. As we explore the global face of Unitarian Universalism today, I invite you to to listen to the words of Reverend Kenneth Patton, former minister at USR, who invites us to consider that as Unitarian Universalists, we arrive out of many singular rooms. Anybody here when Kenneth Patton was here? Yes, okay. We arrive out of many singular rooms, walking over the branching streets. We come to be assured that brothers and sisters surround us to restore their images on our eyes. We enlarge our voices in common speaking and singing. We try again that solitude found in the midst of those who with us seek their hidden reckonings. Our eyes reclaim the remembered faces. Their voices stir the surrounding air. The warmth of their hands assures us and the gladness of our spoken names. This is the reason of cities, of homes, of assemblies in the houses of worship. It is good to be with one another. We arrive out of many singular rooms, walking over the branching streets. Where we take a deep breath and quiet our mind, increasing the depth of our presence. I think all of us have the storm on our mind. (laughs) We are safe. 
It is not precipitating, and we have all the time in the world within our time frame <laughs> to be present. So allow your busy thoughts to recede into the background and listen to the sound of your breathing. So precious. Breathing in, breathing out. If busy thoughts occur, gently return to your breath. Breathing in and breathing out. May the glory of the passing away of autumn lie about us, fresh gold for a time. And when the dark comes and the cold, may we remember how today we stand in glory, how we walk in bounty heaped upon earth's dark carpet, how we move knee-deep in abundance flung against night's winter curtain. We are thankful for its coming and for its passing. Let it be. Two years ago, I attended a conference for UUs from around the world, and it was held in Kathmandu, Nepal. The International Council of Unitarians and Universalists is a network of member groups such as the UUA from around the world. And ICUU brings together leaders globally to learn, to share resources, inspire and support each other in building spiritual community. This conference connects people across the globe, creating coalitions to support growing communities. They nurture fledgling Unitarian Universalist groups encouraging the development of liberal religion. As I mentioned before, there were UUs from over 23 countries, and it was a life-changing experience for me as I took in the global face of Unitarian Universalism. The first thing that struck me was the tremendous diversity present in our faith, all identifying as a liberal religion but the paths to expressing it, were they varied widely. I also never realized how small most UU congregations are outside of North America. The 2018 conference also celebrated the 450th anniversary of the Edict of Torda. Has anybody ever heard of that? Right, it is a high holy day in the rest of the global UU world. In 1568, the reigning monarch of Transylvania, John Sigismund, issued a statement of religious tolerance. Unitarianism was officially recognized for the first time in history of the world in this edict. And the proclamation is the beginning of our legacy to be a spiritual tradition that resists hatred, oppression, and the narrow view that there is only one path to be faithful, one path to be religion, religious, one path to be free. Today, I would like to share with you some of the people and their stories 
from UU communities around the world. But before I do, given the diversity of paths within our global community, I would like to explore religious pluralism using the metaphor of mountains and paths. Religious pluralism celebrates religious uniqueness, and this concept is ingrained in our faith through the six sources. From our beginning, we've looked to different faith traditions as each having something unique to offer us and the world. So there are different ways of looking at religious pluralism using these metaphors of mountains and paths. The first one, I don't know if we would describe it as pluralism at all. It says there is one mountain and one path. That's it, right? And our brothers and sisters who are fundamentalists or orthodox, that's their path. There is another path in religious pluralism that says there is one mountain, but there are many, many, many paths. And this view of religious pluralism views the commonality of every religion. But there is a third way. That says there are one, two, three, keep going, four, five, six, seven mountains. And there are many, many, many paths. Every major world religion in this model, every one of these mountains was born in response to a distinct human struggle. This year, our sixth and seventh graders are studying different religious uh, religions through the Crossing Paths curriculum. And they are going this third way. Our youth study the different mountains of religion and they identify how each religion relates to a particular human struggle. And finally, they compare their religion, that religion they're studying, to their own faith, Unitarian Universalism. So far this year, they have studied Judaism. They're in the middle of studying Buddhism and their own faith, Unitarian Universalism. So let's take a look at these distinct human struggles. And so far with these three religions that our children have studied, what their solutions are for these religions. Well, in Judaism, the human struggle is exile or separation from God and home. And the solution is this deep and beautiful spiritual concept called tikkun olam, which means, anybody know? Return and repair. I actually went sourcing a $2 vase, got it to the classroom. We're all about experiential education. The kids broke it with a hammer. They reassembled it, tikkun olam, to restore and repair. In Buddhism, the human struggle is suffering, caused by desire, attachment, and striving. And the solution is detachment through the Eightfold Path to Enlightenment, or Nirvana. Well, what about us? <laughs> In Unitarian Universalism, the human struggle identified is the spiritual separation with the world. And the solution is spiritual connection, 
We help people find or restore their deepest self, their relationship to each other, and an appreciation of life's gifts that we in turn serve others with. So what does our mountain look like? Well, some of the religious and spiritual sources of authority are our seven principles. The hundreds of years of our liberal faith tradition. Now we know the Edict of Torda, 1568. The traditions, scriptures, and ethics of the world's many great faith traditions. The consensus of human history and law. The common moral conscience of the individual arising out of his or her direct experience with the world. Okay, that's what the mountain looks like. But what about the paths, the many paths to the mountain of Unitarian Universalism? There are many paths to the UU mountain. Humanism, theism, atheism, transcendentalism, paganism, the role of reason, science. These paths lead me back to the ICUU conference where I was in dialogue with UUs from around the globe. The African Unitarian Organization seems to be all about the devotion to service. To ask a UU African about their faith is to invite stories about AIDS orphanages, collective volunteer-run schools, shared farming and business projects, and other social service activities. Seldom do they discuss membership numbers, church committees, or buildings. In the country of Burundi, which is engaging in civil war, there are dozens and dozens of Unitarians that have had to flee from religious persecution. And I spoke to a gentleman who had, was accepted in as a refugee from Burundi and now lives in Canada. And he told us about how frightening it was at the time um, to live in Burundi, and he feared for the life of his family. In Europe, the size of the congregations are very, very small. Several people told me about traveling two hours one way. One of them travels over country lines. Now, I know with EU that's not a big deal, but for me it was like, oh my gosh, you have to go from one country to another. Two hours. <coughs> and in Britain, there are two overlapping circles that define Unitarian Universalism. And one of them, the members hold diverse opinions. The things that I mentioned before, the, the paths of Unitarian Universalism. Whereas the other organization has said, no, we're going to stick strictly to Unitarianism. So they have found a way to uh, one group to be true to its origin, the other group to be more diverse. And it's working. In Germany, if Reverend Sauer were to move there, she'd be out of a job. Because there are no clergy. They do not believe in them, and it is lay-led. And in Switzerland, I talked to a woman who was from Pennsylvania who had married a Swiss and proceeded to tell me that in Switzerland, there is um, a church tax. So there are no collections in churches because there is a church tax 
if you are one of three religions. Um, and she, to her husband's utter horror, and I don't know if this is his personality or the fact that he's Swiss, said to him with hands on her hips, I am not paying that church tax. We are not on the list, and I am not paying that church tax. He was completely horrified. In Transylvania, well, they were annexed, and they are Hungarians who are now part of Romania. So you use in Transylvania, which was the birthplace of the Edict of Torda, are an ethnic and religious minority. They are theists and they're non-Trinitarian, which is what many of these global groups are. While their clergy dress in vestments and swing incense, looks high church, their theology is progressive in a very traditional country. They describe themselves as a life-centered religious movement, and you've heard this expression, it's about the deeds, not the creeds. And there is no emphasis on salvation. In India, last group I want to tell you about, there was a large contingent from Kasi Hills, which is the northeast part of India that is separated from the country by Bangladesh, so it's sort of removed. And they do not have a history of Christianity nor Muslim. They are an Asian subgroup that moved hundreds of years into the northeast part of India, and they were pantheistic. So they are a combination of uh, non-Trinitarian um, animus. So it's quite a earth-centered spirituality combined with Unitarianism. Through my conversations with conference attendees, the light of liberal religion was evident, progressive, non-Trinitarian, and it was life-changing for me to get a sense of the scale, the small scale, and the diversity that people face to gather. Whether it be dangerous to gather, or whether it be separated by long, long spaces. But one of the things that occurred to me was they are so diverse that they serve for us as the translators of our mountain's multiple paths. They do, because their paths are so different, so diverse. And I really bless all the congregations there who look to North America as a beacon. For them, they see our numbers, they see our vitality, and um, they long for that. So here's a prayer that celebrates the mountain we call Unitarian Universalism and its many paths. Great unity, beyond all differences, should our lives be narrowed by personal sorrow or tragedy, envision us with a sense of worth? Should we be weary of the diminishing purposes of community and the persistence of global conflicts? Envision us with your larger purpose. Should we feel lost upon Earth's lonely cosmic shore? Envision us with joy and wonder. Uphold us when weak. Embrace us when broken, 
transform us when partial. Restore to us your great unity, that we and the green earth and the cosmic law may become as one. Great unity, bless us now, in this moment, with your commanding vision. Amen. As we prepare to leave today, let us extinguish the chalice. Anita, would you do our... <laughs> Thank you. We extinguish the flame, but may the light of truth, the warmth of love, and the energy of action burn bright in our hearts until we are together again. And as we prepare to leave this space today, we're filled with the stories of our global brothers and sisters. Let us be reminded of these things that bind us to one another across time and space. Here are words from William Schultz, former president of the UUA, UU Service Committee, and executive director of Amnesty International. And he says, this is the mission of our faith, to teach the fragile art of hospitality to revere both the critical mind and the generous heart, to prove that diversity need not mean divisiveness, and to witness to all that we must hold the whole world in our hands. And I would add, blessed, blessed be. Have a great day, everyone. <laughs>